Hey guys, thanks for joining the Radiate Church podcast today. I'm Brandon, the lead pastor here at Radiate, and I'm honored that you jumped in to hear this message. I hope that it challenges you, inspires you, and leads you to the life God intends. Enjoy the message. We got baptism coming up after this service. Come on, make some noise. Love baptism. One of my favorite Sundays. We've been doing a lot of them this summer because we're portable, and because of that, we baptize outside. And I don't know about you, but it's not fun sometimes to get baptized in 30 degree weather in December. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we might try that and call it the real holy pol- polar plunge. And uh, this year, no, um, I want to I want to jump in, and and I'm not going to tell you to turn to a specific verse today. You can follow along. You can. The good thing is, is we're skipping around a little bit today. But if we go a little fast for you, and you can't turn that fast or don't know where they are, that's cool. They're going to come up on the screen uh, as we get into this today. But I want to talk to you about something. Um, uh, we're starting this brand new series called Fresh Air because I believe that we're in a uh, society and an era of Christianity and of church today that is uh, can get really really dangerous. And here's why. First of all, you got to understand something. Um, the church is supposed to be a little dangerous because we serve a dangerous God. Jesus is not, I'm just going to tell you the way that I, only way I know how to really explain it, Jesus is not a pansy Savior. He's a dangerous Savior. I mean, he's, the Bible says that the Word of God is like a double-edged sword that pierces through bone and marrow, slices through bone and marrow. In other words, it can hurt, it can cut you to expose, but then it cuts you to heal. And the truth is, is that sometimes we want Jesus to be this Savior that, that pats us on the back, tells us everything's good and everything's going to be okay, and I know you struggle and I know you have burdens, but don't worry about those. We're not going to talk about those. I think God, I think Jesus actually wants to talk about those things and expose those things so that he can fix them. And we serve a danger. In fact, he said it like this. He said, he said to follow me really, you have, to lo- you have to take up the cross. You have to lose your life to gain it. That's pretty dangerous to me. Like, you can't worry more about what you're losing than what you're gaining. Your mindset, and we'll talk about this a little bit in week three of this series, but your mindset has to shift from what I'm going to lose or what's going to happen to what's actually going right in, 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 through Jesus in our life. And, and, and we're in this thing to where I believe that we've, uh, and maybe the church has done this, maybe it's society, and maybe it's where we are in life to where uh, we've created a religion of doing rather than a kingdom of being. And so we become more worried about what I'm doing rather than who I'm becoming. And, and, and it becomes a checklist of opportunities that I have to do in order to get closer to God. And it all comes from, I believe, Pastor Travis and I talked about this extensively this week, that I believe in society today we are trained, and, and I'm not a Listen, let me get this out of the way, because when I say society, sometimes there's this veil that comes up, and it's like, oh, you just hate society. We just need to be in the church. I believe we need to engage culture, and I think the church needs to get to be a part of the culture rather than war culture a lot of times. Let me just say that. But I believe we're in a situation where in society and in culture today, we chase a feeling more than we chase a reality. And so we'll chase the feeling of feeling accepted. That's why social media is so big. Because you can feel validated no matter how false your truth may be. You can feel loved, yet nobody has ever wrapped their arms around you. You can feel appreciated, yet nobody looked at you and told you you matter. You just got enough likes on Instagram and comments on Facebook. Anybody? And we're chasing the feeling of significance and the feeling of acceptance. And we do it spiritually, which is why, well, we get to a place to where everything begins to go in, 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 in quick time and double time and fast forward, if you will. And we get to where we're more concerned about the duties we have to fulfill rather than the God we get to serve. Well, God, I don't know why I feel like this because I serve on Sunday and I had a meeting on Tuesday and we did worship on Wednesday and then I got back around and I prayed with a coworker on Thursday and all these things took place and God's going, I don't care what you did, how often did you love me? 
and we become more worried about the feeling of it's all working out. And we think, that, listen, you, it, this is not the default. This is not how it goes immediately. But we fall into a trap to where, God, I'm serving on a team. I'm a part of a life group. I got a good job. I tithe. I worship. All these things. And what happens is we stop growing personally because we're involved corporately. And we think that because we're involved corporately, we don't have to do anything personally. And so we can come to church, and it can be a great message. You can amen me all day long, and you can preach, preacher, you're doing good because you got the best pastor around. But the thing is, the thing is you can do all that and still never leave where you've always been with God. You can still leave your soul at the same altar you went to 15 years ago to give your life to Him. And then we want to know, God, why don't I feel loved? Why don't I feel accepted? Because here's the thing. If I've got Austin and I want his significance, and I want his acceptance, I want to be accepted into his life, and he's got these list of things that I can do, and I reach him, guess what happens when I reach him? I get the acceptance in that moment, but then the expectations shift after a season, and now I've got to earn it all over again, and there comes a point in our lives where we will cease to achieve the expectations he put on us, and we're chasing something we can never really have, because who we are internally is not what we do externally. But what we do externally is a portion and an overflow of what we feel internally. And so we've created a religion of doing rather than a kingdom of being. And maybe it's the church's fault, but I'm just here to tell you today, listen to me. You may serve on four teams here at this church. You may have been coming for six months, never missed a Sunday, and you know exactly when to throw your hands in the air because the song tells you to. But if your heart is not with Christ then none of that matters. Now, I'm not telling you don't do that stuff. I'm not telling you that stuff's bad because I don't believe that. I believe that stuff is great. I believe I serve this church. You know why I pastor this church? It's not because I wanted a mic and a stage. It's because I was called to do it, and I love God, and I gave him everything I had, and I told him when he called me to be a pastor, if he gave me a mic and a stage, I'd challenge people to be better with him. It's not, it's not everything that it's cut out to be because you're, it, it, the more you grow, the more haters that show up. Haters going to hate, hate, hate. Anyway, sorry, that was bad. And so we get caught into this rut, right? And we just need a breath of fresh air. You ever been to a place where you just feel like, I just need to calm down a little bit? So you're frustrated, so you walk outside, and what do you do? And immediately, it's like the tension just kind of releases a little bit, and so you do it ten more times because you're like, maybe I can go into this place of zen or something. I don't, I don't know. But we try to take this breath of fresh air and feel feel good. Let me kind of give you an example, a story of it. So uh, I've, my, I've been really strategic about trying to spend more time with my son lately, just me and him. And he's seven years old, and, and I'm just learning that there's no greater example of a godly man than the father of the one that was called to be the father of the child. Come on. And, and so I just said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to be more strategic about being the godly man my son sees, not just the one that he hears fuss at him during the week. And so uh, we've been doing some things like last night. We went to the wrestling match that was next door at, at Stover uh, Middle School that was amazing. Our own Shane Door runs that company. Y'all, yeah, he just kills it. But anyway, I, it was fun. We had a blast, right? He got scared of one guy, and I got to kind of be there, and, and Shane helped me, but we kind of got there, and we caught, coached him through it and taught him that it's okay to be scared but not to give in to it and kind of talk to him. It was a dad moment, and I was like, yeah, I'm doing good right now. Later, I won't, but I'm doing good right now. So last uh, weekend, uh, we went fishing. We've gotten into fishing lately, and, and we went fishing, and, and, and we went to a local park here, and we rented a boat for about five bucks. And, 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 a, and when we got there to, to rent the boat, we discovered, or I discovered, he, he didn't care, uh, and you'll see why in a minute, but I discovered that there was no motor on the boat. They didn't allow motors in the lake of, 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 the, of the state park. I didn't know that that was even um, human. I didn't know that it was okay to do that. And so we rented the boat, and she gives us two paddles. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, uh, okay, I see what's going to happen here. And so, uh, you know, I like to think I'm at least about 20% in shape. And um, so we get out there. Now, my son is seven years old, and, uh, and he's no, he's, he, let's just be honest, he's never really rowed a boat before, okay? And so we're in there, and I'm like, this is a teaching moment. 
You get to be his dad and teach him something manly and how to row a boat. <laughs> so we get out there, and we're, we push the boat in the water, and we're rowing the boat, and we're doing this. And y'all, for the first probably minute to two to three minutes, like he's rowing and I'm rowing, but he's rowing against what I'm rowing to do. And so we're just sitting still, and I'm like, be, be good, Brandon, be good. And I was like, just put it down. Just put it down. We, uh, uh, watch me. Watch. You ever done that? Like, just leave me alone. Just watch what I do. Just, it's a teaching moment. Just watch me. So he puts it down. He watches me, right? And so we rode to where we want to go. And y'all, it was like four degrees cooler than hell out there that day. And like, it was hot, sweating, sun beating down. There, we were trying to go somewhere. And we're, y'all, did I mention that there was no motor on the boat that we were in? And so we're paddling to where we need to go. And I was thinking I was going to happy places. You know, they tell you to go to a happy place. And so I went to a couple weeks prior. I was on a boat in Merle's Inlet sitting there. And, y'all, the, it was, we were saltwater fishing for flounder and spot tail. And it was great. And it was fun. We were catching fish. And it didn't feel. I had on a long sleeve fishing shirt that day because the wind was blowing. And it would, like, the sun was beating down, but the wind was blowing. It was a constant breeze. It felt great, right? And I never felt hot there, but I left with a Ray-Ban tan all around my face. But I left, I got in the boat with Brody, and I was like, Brody, this is ridiculous. And about halfway through, the wind started blowing, and both of us, y'all, I kid you not, both of us looked at each other and went, oh, that feels so good. Right? There was a point about halfway through, I just wanted to jump out of the boat and just be like, I'm done. I'm over. This is just in me now. I can't do this, right? And so here's the thing, but what made the difference was the breeze that was blowing through. It was hot both days. But it was the breeze blowing through. And here's the thing. Some of you are in a place that it's so hot and stale and frustrating and you're not moving and you feel like somebody's paddling against your momentum trying to get to a place. And the difference is not your your work and your work ethic and that you're trying to do and you have all these responsibilities. The difference is there's no breeze blowing. And so and now all of a sudden it feels worse than it should. And we need a breath of fresh air in our life. And we can't do that without the presence of God. We can't get where we need to get without the presence of God. And we need to quit worrying about be a doing and just be accepted, be loved, be a child of God, and be forgiven. Anybody in the house today? Anybody with me today? Because I don't know about you. I've been in that place. I've been in that place in 2018. I just, God, I need a, fre- a breath of fresh air. I need something to shift in my life. In fact, in the, in the Message Bible, Philippians chapter 2, verse 15 puts it like this. He says, he's talking to the church of Philippi, and, and, and Paul makes this statement. I love the way he says it. He says, go out into the world uncorrupted. He says, a breath of fresh air. In this squalid and polluted society, provide people. Listen, this is our job. This is our call. This is our opportunity. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and the living God. Have you ever been around somebody um, to where you just feel like they suck air out of your life instead of provide air in your life? Like if it's the person next to you, don't elbow and look at them. And that's just awkward, okay? But there's people in your life to where it's like, You leave, and you're just like, I need therapy just by talking to them, right? Like, there's something, like, they just suck the life out of you, you know? But then there's people that you're around, right, that give you life. And you walk away, and you feel like there's, your lungs are a little better, and you can walk a little taller. For instance, there's a gentleman in our church, and he, I love him, and, and, and I don't want to embarrass him and call him out, but every Sunday morning, I walk into my green room in the backstage so that I can focus, and I turn on some worship music, and I look over the notes, and I just get my mind prepared, and things like that in between services. And there's a cooler every Sunday sitting in there with my favorite drinks, like, he knows my favorite. He texted my wife to find out what my favorite drinks were. And he, my favorite candy and honey buns. Praise God for honey buns in the house. And he's got them in there and, and, and all these things. And he's even got uh, energy drinks in there in case I walk in and I just need a, 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 a shot of energy. And you know, it's not what he does for me that matters. Because if he didn't do that stuff, it would still be fine. But when I get around him, it's like I just leave and I'm just like... I just feel better. Like, I, I, I could have a bad day, but when I get around him, it's like, oh, yeah, that's like, let's go. There's a breath of fresh air. And shouldn't that be the church in general? 
All of us to where when people get around us, instead of walking out going, I don't like this, I don't like that, and all they did was talk, and all they did was gossip, and they obviously don't like their pastor because they talk more bad about him than they did good, and all this stuff. And Instead, they should get around the church and go, you know what, man, I feel alive today. I feel like there's a breath of fresh air. I, I feel like I can get through this week, and I don't have to trudge, but I can just walk in victory this week. Like, I don't know. It's just something different about them. It's something different about that church. It's something different about those people. It's something different about that person. And like, I can come to them complaining, but I walk away in victory. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a breath of fresh air. Yeah, that's okay. Make some noise. Like, we're, we're, not, here to, we're not here for a funeral. We're here for a celebration today. It's, it's okay, you know? And, and, and later on in Philippians 4, uh, chapter 12, Paul says this. He makes this statement. He says, I know how to get along with humble means and also how to live in prosperity. He said, and, and I also know how to live in prosperity, sorry. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. In other words, Paul goes, I know what it feels like to have a lot of money and no money. I know what it feels like to have all the foods you can have and not have any food. I know what it feels to have everything you've ever prayed for and nothing you always pray for. And then he goes in in verse 13 that we all know, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul looks and he goes, I know how to live. I found the secret of contentment in my life. I figured it out. I know how to be okay no matter what happens. And it's because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, I've got this breeze that's always blowing over my life called the breath of God. And when it gets hot and it's steamy and it's stale and it's frustrating and it's hurtful and it's hard, then all of a sudden the breath of God breathes over my life and I can be content no matter how hard it is. And when he's writing this, get this, some scholars, not all, but some scholars believe that he was in a certain prison. And he was in a certain prison that had two chambers and they believed that possibly he was in the lower chamber of these two chambers. And if you're in the lower chamber, you have to walk and have a rope tied around your waist at all times. And the reason is not because they feel bad for you and they're torturing you, but because they have to lift you up to the higher chamber because every now and then that lower chamber would flood with the feces and the sewage of the town. And so they had to get you out of that because so, you couldn't die on their watch. It was law. And so he's sitting there in prison going through all that. And he goes, I found the contentment that I need to get through everything I go through in life. And whenever they don't get our order right at Starbucks, our day is ruined. They didn't text me back in time. I know they saw it because three bubbles popped up for about 30 seconds. But they never put sin. What were they thinking? What were they saying? What were they going to do? What's going on? What's happening? And all the whole time we're crucifying ourselves, and they're just trying to type okay. And Paul's going, I've learned how to be content no matter what happens in my life. No matter if they froth my milk the right way or not. No matter if Chick-fil-A didn't get my order right, it doesn't matter. Somebody told me one time, they don't care if, they get, if their order's messed up when they go to Chick-fil-A. They just feel like God told the worker to change their order at that time. They're not questioning anything about Chick-fil-A. I was like, great day. <laughs> and so I want to talk to you today very quickly. You're going to have to follow me quickly. I want to talk to you about four symptoms of pollution today to know that you need it. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you this. I'm going to put it the way that one of my mentors put it. Today is surgery without anesthesia. Because I know some days you walk in here and you walk out, and most days, and I hope this is how you feel, and you're encouraged and you're ready to take off. But I don't have time today to give you the anesthesia you need to do the surgery that we have to do to expose the things that need to be exposed. And so I just need you to be okay sitting there today and walking out and going, I still love you, Pastor, even though it was hard. I had somebody in the lobby stop me walking into this service, and she looked at me and she said, I just want to tell you thank you and I'm mad at you. And I just laughed. And she goes, I gave my heart to Christ today. Thank you for the truth you preached, but I'm mad at you because you exposed some things I've never dealt with. And I was like, come on, that's what it's about, right? And there's two people in here, there's two types of people in here today that, that need a breath of fresh air. The first one is, you're in here and you know you need it. You know you need it. You're sitting there and you're like, dude, I, I can't do this anymore. I don't know what's going on. And, and you're probably the most receptive to what God's about to say. And then there's another type of person that you have no idea. 
I lived in Georgetown, South Carolina for a year of my life on, on staff at a church. And y'all, Georgetown, South Carolina smells like rotten cabbage 95, I mean, 95% of the time. It just does. They have a, they have a paper mill there, and I live next to the paper mill as a 20-year-old in an apartment. And y'all, it got sucked up into my air conditioner. And I'd, I'd, I'd dream of cabbage at night while I was sleeping. And I'm not even kidding, like Zach, our, our, our media guy, is from around that area. He knows it stinks. I love Georgetown. I still go back to Georgetown every now and because I think it's beautiful. I love Georgetown. It's a great place. And I went there for a while, and I lived there for a while. And, y'all, I got used to the smell. My parents and, and my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, would come down and, 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 and see me, and they'd be like, what is that smell? And I'm like, smell? What smell? That's not. And the whole thing was I got used to the smell. Some of you have gotten used to the smell of pollution in your life, and you have no idea. And today, God's going to open up some things. Are you ready? Here we go. The first symptom of pollution that we need to be aware of is this, that we start faking it. We start faking it. In fact, in Jeremiah um, chapter 6, verse 14, there's an interesting verse that is written there that says this. They have healed the brokenness. This is actually written for pastors, for preachers of the gospel. It says, they have healed the brokenness of my people superficially, saying peace, peace, but there is no peace. In other words, you've said something to appease me, but you've not done anything to help heal me. It's all superficial. It's the, much the same thing as somebody coming to you with an issue in their life, and we look at them and go, oh, man, I'm so sorry. I'll pray for you, and we never utter a prayer to God about the situation. It's superficial. We start faking it, and we do it all the time, don't we? We fake things all the time. If you're in a situation where pollution is in your life, you start to fake it because you know how to run the rat wheel of, of, of life. You know how to do what you need to do. You know, then this is where the doing gets caught up because when we're around this person, we act this way. And we're at church this Sunday, so i got to act like nothing's wrong. And we're doing this this week, and i got to act like everything's okay. And i got to act like I like my boss, though I'm going to talk junk about him behind his back. And I'm going to act like I like my co-worker. Her, but I don't, I don't really like her, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to gossip. And all these things are symptoms of pollution because we're faking everything, trying to be real at the same time, and we get so caught up that we have no idea what mask we're even wearing anymore. And we look at this person and go, peace, peace, but there's no peace. We look at you and go, I'll pray for you, but there is no prayer. I, I, I'm good, but you're not good. I'm going to make it, but you have no idea if you're going to make it. And we put these masks on to where we try so hard. To let everybody else know, we're good, we're okay, we got it all together. And we start to fake it the entire time. We hide everything that we're doing and we start trying to do more. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4, Jesus says it like this. He says, I am the chief shepherd. What that tells me is he's the chief shepherd, but the shepherds underneath, which are pastors and leaders and teachers and preachers and apostles and prophets, if you go read the roles of the gospel. But the truth of the matter is, is this. I'm in this weird conundrum to where I have to be a shepherd of sheep, but I also have to be a sheep to the shepherd. And it's, in my role, it's a, it's a weird dichotomy that I have to walk and be, but if I ever try to overtake the shepherd, then I've lost my place in the fold. I've forgotten who I really am. And if we're not careful, this is for me and this is for you because I, I get to be a sheep just like you do. If we're not careful, we can become professional sheep. And what I mean by that is we know how to work the system so well that we know where the shepherd's going to take us. I know that on Sunday mornings at 10 or 11.30, I'm going to Radiate Church, and Pastor Brandon's going to get up there, and he's going to welcome everybody, and then Chris is going to come in with a great song, and I'm going to lift my hands during that song because Chris is going to sing a song about lifting your hands, or he's going to tell me to lift my hands because that's worship, so I'm going to lift my hands because everybody around me will lift my hands. I'll lift my hands, and then we'll give, and so I'll click give on the website or the app, or I'll put my money in the tithe envelope, and the pastor's going to get up, and he's going to teach, and I'll amen him, and I'll make him feel good, and I'll make him do everything, and all these things, and what happens, and, and then when I go home, I'll, I'll pray on Sunday, but Monday through Friday, or Monday through Saturday, I'm a little too busy for that, so I'll pray on my way to work while I'm listening to things that I probably shouldn't be listening to and thinking about things and cussing people out for cutting me off and all these things. Like, I'll do all that stuff. Let's get real. We're talking about life, and all these things are going to take place. And the, t- and the deal is, is God, I've become a real good sheep, but I'm not really following you with anything. I'm just following you out of obligation. I'm a professional sheep. I don't love you enough to do it. In fact, the Bible says that if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And we look at that and go, oh, man, i got to obey his commands to show him I love him. No, it's this, it's this. I love you so much, I'll obey what you ask. It's not, I'll obey because I have to. It's, oh, I'll obey because I get to. Because I'm your sheep and you're my shepherd and I get to love you by showing you obedience and honor 
in this thing. If you're faking it and you're in this place to where you're just faking it and you know you're faking it, can I tell you, you need to get in a group, a life group, or find somebody that's close to you and you need to begin confessing some things to somebody that's going to, listen, get with somebody that's not impressed with you. They're not impressed with your gift. They're not impressed with your talent. They don't care how good you can sing. They don't care how offbeat you can clap. They don't care how good you look. They don't care about none of that stuff. All they care about is something on the inside of you is not getting birthed because you're being held back by a wound you won't deal with. And you're faking it. Get with somebody that's going to expose it because God can only heal what you expose. And we've got to get around people that will expose it. I tell my mentors and people in my life all the time, I'm like, celebrate me if you want, but tell me what I did wrong. Every speaker that was here for the month of July, I called them and I said this. I said, tell me what I can do better as a church, as an organization to reach more people. In other words, slice me up and tell me what I need to do. Because I want to expose something God can change. So number one, you start faking it. Number two is if you fake it long enough, you get tired of faking it and you just start putting it off. I don't want to deal with it right now. I don't want to go through that right now. And Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 16 says this, Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. One of my mentors in my life, he says it like this, You have to seize the opportunity of a lifetime within the lifetime of the opportunity. In other words, in other words, he tells me all the time, quit putting it off. Just deal with it. So what if somebody gets mad? So what if feelings get hurt? So what if it's a rough patch? So what if it's difficult to figure out how to rebudget your money? So what if it's this? So what if it's that? Put, if you put it off, what happens is you get immune to it and you get sick and tired of dealing with it. And it's always tomorrow. I'll deal with it tomorrow. I'll deal with it tomorrow. And then when tomorrow comes, it's the next day. And it's the next day. And the enemy gets us so busy that we never get around to tomorrow. I know I need to be a better father, but I'll wait until my child is 13, 14, 15 years old, and then I'll figure it out. I know I need to be a better husband, but I'll wait until the next blow up between me and my wife, because right now everything's good, and I don't really want to do that. I know I need to be a better teenager or, or, or son or daughter. I know I need to be a better student, but I'll wait until I fail a grade. I know I need to do this, but I'll wait. And it's, every time we wait, the enemy's going, good, because if I can get them busy, they'll wait again. Symptom of pollution is you don't want to accept it in the moment. You don't want to seize the opportunity of a lifetime within the lifetime of the opportunity. You just want to sit back and hope somebody else does it for us. That's what, can I tell you something? That's where the church as a global unit is today, is we're waiting on somebody else to do and reach people for the kingdom of God. All across the nation, there's churches that are going, I hope somebody comes around and reaches this generation. Except we're called to do that. I hope somebody comes along and tells my wife or my son or my daughter or my brother or my sister or my cousin or whoever it is about Jesus, except that's kind of what we're supposed to be doing. Remember, go back to the very beginning. We are to be the breath of fresh air, of fresh air. So you start faking it or you start putting it off, and here's the problem. If we put it off too long, we will carry the baggage of a previous season into a current one. Let me, let me give you a quick example. I'm going to move on to three because three and four are going to go fast. It, it, it's this. I played uh, several years ago, about four or five years ago, I got roped in some way, somehow, to, to play in a flag football league at the Plex right down the road, right? And some of you are laughing, and you don't even know the story yet, and you need to stop and pray for forgiveness right now. And so... I got roped into this, right, and, and so I was excited because I love sports, I love football, right, and so I went and bought brand new indoor cleats, and, I, and I, I was decked, I had the socks that came all the way up, you know what I'm saying, had an armband on my forearm, like I was ready to rock and roll. Now, there was like, ha like semi-pro guys playing in this league. I didn't care because I was fresh. Um, they had been playing and getting beaten up. I hadn't been playing, and I was saving my body for this moment, right, but what I didn't do and I went and did all that, and I looked good. Like, I'm just going to be honest, y'all. I looked like I knew what I was doing out there. But about four plays in, I am sucking wind. I'm, I can't breathe. I don't know what's happening. The guy's six foot five that I'm trying to cover, and he's catching everything over me, and he's outrunning me, and I can't keep up, and I can't breathe. And then I pull my hamstring, and I'm walking off like this, and I, you know, and I just sit on the bench. I'm like, I need a sub. I need a sub right now. And here's why, because there was no preparation before the season started. 
and yet we want to enter a season of blessing in our life, but we're going to carry the baggage from the previous season into it. If I don't deal with the bitterness from the previous season, I'll carry anger into the per- current one. If I, don't, if I don't deal with the hurt back here, I'll deal with the unforgiveness in this one. You know what I'm saying? It always disguises itself, but it will come back up in the previous season. We can't put it off. We have to move in the season we're in. Are you with me? Is this helping anybody today? The third thing is this, you give up. So if you put it off for too long, you just give up. You just get tired of it. You get frustrated. You get aggravated, and you'll just give up. You'll just stop. You just don't care anymore. Job 17, 13 through 15 is real interesting. He says, if I look for Sheol as my home, if I make my bed in the darkness. If I call the pit, you are my father, to the worm, my mother and my sister. And then 15 says this, where now is my hope? How many times have we said that in life? Where is my hope? I'm going through hardship, I'm going through hurt, I'm going through darkness, I'm going through pain. Where's my hope? Where's my hope and who regards my hope? Who's going to bring me hope? Who cares enough about me? And the thing is, is he's looking and he's going, I'm giving up. But if you know the end of the story of Job, he doesn't give up. He stands back up and he gets back to work and God blesses him uh, uh, several fold over. And the truth of the matter is, is sometimes in our life, some of you are sitting in the room today and you're ready to give up. You've already said internally, where's my hope? I don't have any hope in this. My marriage has no hope. My kids have no hope. My finances have no hope. My spirit has no hope. I've done enough. I've been out of this thing enough. Nothing's going to work. I have no hope. Who's going to help me? Nobody can help me. And it's not that God can't help you. It's, It's that you see your lack of hope because you look inside of yourself and see things that you won't deal with that nobody else ever sees. And it feels like a black hole. And some of you are walking in the room today. Listen to me. And you're sitting out there today. Because I had several of them talk to me between the services here. And you're sitting out there and you're saying this. I'm ready to give up. I'm just ready to stop. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. I'm frustrated. I've been faking it. I've been putting it off. I'm ready to give up. And I'm just here to tell you something. You don't have to give up. You don't have to stop marching. The Israelites had to march for six days without saying a word. But on day seven, when they began to praise, the walls fell down. If they'd have stopped on six, they never would have got to seven. If you stop on six, you may never get back to seven. You may miss the miracle because we stopped too soon. You don't have to end it. You don't have to stop. You don't have to give up. I'm just here to tell you that the glory and the redemption of God is before you today to say, you don't have to stop. You don't have to quit. You don't have to give up. I know it's been hard and I know it's dark. But there's hope on the other side through the cross of Jesus Christ, through the redemption of his love today, that you don't have to stop. And you don't have to quit. And maybe nobody's ever looked you in your eye and told you that. But I'm here to tell you today, I had the opportunity to look at a man that is in a very dark place in his life right now this week, and I felt it in my spirit, and I looked at him, and I said, I don't know if anybody's told you this in the past four weeks, the past two months, but I need you to know something. You matter. You have a purpose. I know what you're going through right now looks bad, but you've got a purpose, and you don't need to give up. You need to stand up and walk this thing out, and I'm telling you today, personally, I may not be able to get in your face individually, but I'm telling you, you've got a purpose you got a promise, and you got hope. Don't you give up. Don't you quit. You stand up, and you put those feet in front of one another, and you march this thing out because you, you're loved. So you just get to a place to where you just give up. And then the last one, you fake it. You put it off. You give up. And then inevitably what takes place is you die may not be a physical death, but internally something in you dies. Promises die. Dreams die. Trust dies. Purpose dies. Hope dies. Something in you is gone beyond giving up, and now it's dead. Instead, I want to read 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. It says this, For, for we don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of our affliction, which came to us in Asia. In other words, please understand we've had it hard. That we were burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we despaired even our life. I, in other words, I wanted to die. I wanted to die. Couldn't handle it anymore. Verse 9. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves. But in God who raises the dead. Paul says it like this. 
internally we had it so hard that we just wanted to end it all and we wish they would have ended our life. But I've got a hope in a God that specializes in bringing dead things back to life. I got a hope in a spirit that breathed into a tomb and rolled it away and Jesus got up and walked out. I believe in a God, says Paul, that no matter how bad it may seem on the outside, I don't have to die on the inside. And that's why it doesn't matter what you accumulate throughout life. Because you can have it all together for everybody to see and be falling apart where nobody ever sees. We're chasing the feeling of love. But you're not looking, I'm just here to tell you, you're not looking for a feeling of love. You're looking for a feeling of fresh air. Of love from the Father. Because if you're looking for it from them, when they do you wrong, now their breath is cut off. And you're seeking it again. But when the breeze of God begins to blow over your life, everything shifts. And everything changes. I just need to tell you today that you may be sitting in the room going, you know what? Those hit me way more than I thought they would. Doing is not going to get you acceptance from God. We do because we're accepted, not to be accepted. Does that make sense? Doing is not the fresh air you need. The fresh air you need is the internal love and devotion to God the Father Himself, to the one that looked and said, I believe so much in you, I will give everything I have to send my son from a heavenly throne to an earthly grave. And when he rises back up, it will be for the victory of your salvation in your heart. And the air that you need is not the hug from someone else, it's the embracing of the love of the Father. That's what the air that we need is. And the truth is, is that people will have us think, well, you're basically a good person. And can I tell you, I'm going to burst a bubble today. We are not basically good people. We corrupt good things because we're not basically good people. We can't be basically good people because if we were, then the salvation of the cross would be done. And a joke. But the salvation of the cross is because he knew that somewhere down the line, Austin would mess it up, and Brandon would mess it up, and Travis would mess it up, and Chris would mess it up. I'll never forget, last story and I'm done. I'll never forget this summer in July, whenever we were on vacation, I was crying over things, weeping over things in a personal prayer time in my life. And I just remember saying, God, I'm sorry. I've messed some things up and I gotta get us back. I gotta change some things personally, corporately, individually, whatever it is, in family. And I remember crying and all of a sudden I remember God whispering in my ear, almost in a laughing tone going, I knew you would. And that's why I still called you because when you messed it up, I can redeem the mess up. Because when it gets wrong, I can bring it back to a victory. And I just begin to say, thank you, Jesus, because you looked at me and knew I'd screw it up and still called me because you love me. I don't care what's happened. He doesn't care what happened. We're not good people, but we're redeemed people. And because of that, everything we do can be good. So I want to ask you the same way I did in the first service. If you're sitting out there today and you've never prayed that prayer of salvation in your life, and you'll say, Pastor, you know what? I need to give my life to Jesus maybe for the first time or maybe in a, for the first time in a long time because I walked away from it and I don't care about it. And I didn't actually live for it and I don't even love Him. But today, you've introduced me to a Father and a Savior that is changing my life. I need to pray as an outward significant prayer. Prayer doesn't change you. The heart does. But I need to lift my hand to say that outwardly I will show every single person the submission of my life. Today, if that's you and you're ready to give your life to Jesus, would you join with the three people that did it in the first service and throw your hand in the air right where you are and say this is my day this is my moment I'm not waiting on the right time I'm not putting it off today is the day anybody in the house don't you wait on anybody else this is your day this is your day amen now how many of you would do this 
Because in just a moment, some of you have been waiting on the right moment to get baptized, to show the outward expression of what God has done inwardly. I'm going to ask you uh, at the end of the worship song to walk to the lobby because today, I don't care if you signed up for baptism today, we're dunking you. You're getting baptized and you're showing people the submission and the power of God. We got everything you need. Shirts, shorts, t-shirts, deodorant, towels, whatever you got to have. We're ready for you. But if you're in the house today and you'll say there's some things that's been exposed in my life and I got to deal with them and I'm not putting it off anymore, but today will be the day I'll do it. If that's you, I'd love to pray with you. Will you stand to your feet right where you are and you're in this house today? Come on, come on. All over the room, there were people doing it in the first service. Anybody bold enough to say, I'll expose what I need to expose and do what I need to do. Here's my prayer, that God would expose me, and God would expose you. Father, we honor you in this house. We worship you. Let us deal with what we need to deal with today, so we don't have to take it in the next season. God, let us stop worrying about what other people are going to accept and start worrying about what you require. God, we're sick of being polluted. We're ready for some fresh air. If you would, stand to your feet with me today. We're going to end in worship. God, we just give you everything. I pray that there would be a breath of the Spirit of God in this room today. You would expose and heal what needs to be exposed. Let's go. We're so glad you joined us today at the Radiate Church Podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry in any way, let us know. Send us an email at youmatter at radiatechurch.net to share how God is working in your life. Join us in reaching others by investing today at radiatechurch.net slash give. Also, if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast so that you can receive weekly messages delivered right to your phone. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.